Let's take our Bibles this morning and open up to the book of 1 Kings. The book of 1 Kings, chapter number 7. 1 Kings, chapter 7. 1 Kings, chapter number 7. And um, I do want to encourage you to be back, obviously, uh, tonight, as we mentioned with the recruitment night. But next Sunday, um, our theme this year is um, taken from Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 10, uh, where Paul says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And we're going to be beginning a study through the book of Ephesians um, next Sunday morning. And so I want to encourage you to be back uh, next Sunday as we begin this series going through the book of Ephesians this year. And I think it'll be an encouragement and a, and a help to us. And so uh, make sure you're back uh, next Sunday uh, at uh, 1030, of course, for our morning service and at 930 for Sunday school. First um, Kings chapter number seven, first Kings chapter seven. And uh, we're going to begin reading in verse number 13. 1 Kings chapter 7, verse number 13. The Bible says, And King Solomon sent and fetched Hiram out of Tyre. He was a widow's son of the tribe of Naphtali. And his father was a man of Tyre, a worker in brass. And he was filled with wisdom and understanding and cunning to work all works in brass. And he came to King Solomon and wrought all his work. For he cast two pillars of brass of 18 cubits high apiece, and a line of twelve cubits did compass either of them about. And he made two chapters of molten brass to set upon the tops of the pillars. The height of the one chapter was five cubits, and the height of the other chapter was five cubits. And nets of checkerwork, and wreaths of chainwork. For the chapters were upon the top of the pillars, seven for the one chapter and seven for the other chapter. And he made the pillars in two rows round about the one network to cover the chapters that were upon the top with pomegranates. And so did he for the other chapter. And the chapters that were upon the top of the pillars were of lily work in the porch for cubits. And the chapters upon the two pillars had pomegranates, also above, over against the belly, uh, which was upon the network. And the pomegranates were two hundred in rows round about upon the other chapter. And he set up the pillars in the porch of the temple. And he set up the right pillar, and he called the name thereof Jachin. And he set up the left pillar, and called the name thereof Boaz. And upon the top of the pillars was lily work. So was the work of the pillars finished. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you again that we can come this morning. And uh, Lord, we ask that you just bless, Lord, through the message. Thank you for the good singing. Uh, Lord, just lifting up the name of Jesus. And uh, Lord, we thank you even as the, the special that was just saying, Lord, all along we can see your hand in our lives. And uh, Lord, it doesn't matter what we go through. We know that you're there. And Father, I pray that you would just work in the service this morning. Uh, Lord, I don't know what is going on in any person's life here other than my own. And so, Father, I pray, uh, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would work as only he can. And uh, Lord, you would meet needs this morning. Uh, Lord, whatever the need might be, uh, Lord, just draw us closer to you. And uh, Lord, may you receive the honor and glory through it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, a very interesting uh, passage of Scripture, isn't it? It's very interesting. Uh, when you think about this, this is, uh, of course, during the days of Solomon. And Solomon is building uh, the temple 
that had been his father David's dream. Remember, David wanted to build the temple, and uh, God told David, no, you're not going to be able to build it because you're a man of war. And, and uh, God told David that he would use his son Solomon to build the temple. And so David went ahead and made preparations and everything and got everything that he thought David would need, and uh, gold and silver and brass and precious jewels and all kinds of things, timber and all kinds of stuff that he thought Solomon would need for, for, the, for the purpose of building the temple. And uh, Solomon is now working on uh, the construction of the temple, this uh, beautiful place that would be the, the focal point of Israel. Uh, I mean, Jerusalem was the, the holy city, and this beautiful temple that Solomon is going to build is going to be right there in Jerusalem. And, and this is where people from all over Israel would come to worship the Lord God. And this would be the place that people from other lands would hear. Uh, they would hear about this place. They would hear about Jerusalem. They would hear about this, this temple. And they would come even just to, to look at it. But the purpose of the temple was not for observation. The purpose of the temple was to worship the Lord. It was for worship. It was done in such a way to bring glory and honor to God. Solomon wanted the work of the temple to be done so beautifully that he found the, the best people to do the work. And, uh, I mean, when you look at all that went into building the temple, I mean, there was literally no expense spared in building this temple. Uh, I mean, all that was brought in for it. And Solomon wanted the work of the temple to be done uh, beautifully and in a way that brought Glory to God. And so Solomon brings a man by the name of Hiram. Hiram is the king of Tyre, uh, which was kind of northwest of Israel, right on the, the Mediterranean Sea there. And he brings Hiram to come and do the brass work. Um, Hiram was known as a man that was just excellent in brass work. And it would have been easy for King Solomon to say, hey, I'm going to just find the, the best people that work in brass. But he found out that the best person to work in brass was another king. Now think about this, right? Solomon brings Hiram, who is a king, to do this brass work because he was so good at it. Now, I guarantee you, if, uh, if Hiram, being a king, he probably would have said, hey, you know, I'm a king, man. I don't do brass work anymore. You know, I've, I've taught some guys how to do that. You know, I, you, you can come and see, you know, some of these other people that I've showed how to do the trade and things, but I'm a king, man. I, I don't do that anymore. That's, that's, for, that's for other people. But what's really fascinating about it is that Hiram came. As the king of Tyre, Hiram came to do this brass work for Solomon. And, and I think both Solomon knew that Hiram was the best at this, and Hiram knew that Solomon wanted it done the very best. And Hiram said, I'm not going to leave this to anybody else. I'm not going to put this in anybody else's charge. I'm going to make sure that this is done right because Hiram knew David and he knew Solomon and he knew their God. And he said, this has to be done just right. And so I'm going to come myself as the king and I'm going to do this brass work. Amazing work that he does. The front, in the front of the temple were two pillars. Each pillar was approximately anywhere between the, they, the, the, Numbers vary, but anywhere between 35 to 45 feet in height were these pillars with a circumference of 18 feet around. 
That's a, that's a big pillar, right? Um, I think we have a, a picture here just to kind of give you an example. This was uh, kind of what the Temple Mount looked like. And uh, the, the, the temple, of course, was right set there in the, mental, in the middle. But you had the, all of the area around where people would come and sacrifices were being done. And, uh, and then right in the front of the temple here, uh, you, had the, you see those two columns. Uh, right as you're going right through the door there, those two columns on the side. That, those were... now. Again, I had, to, I had to search back in the archaeological digs to find this picture that they took right after Solomon built it. Um, so <laughs> it was a joke. They didn't have cameras back then, right? Um, this is just, uh, just an idea of what it would look like. But these, these two pillars that were on either side of the doors you would go in, just the, the magnitude of the, the temple that was there of gold and, and then these two brass pillars, each of these pillars made of brass. And uh, the pillar on the right was named Jachin. And the word Jachin means God shall establish. And the one on the left was named Boaz. Of course, the name Boaz mean in it is strength. And so when you think about just the, the statement in the names of the pillars that God was making, there is strength in what God establishes. Think about that. There is strength in what God establishes, right? Think about it. Our theme this year is strong. What do we need? We need strong homes. There's strength in what God establishes, the way that God says it's supposed to be done, not the way that man says it's supposed to be done, but the way that God says it's supposed to be done. What do we need? We need strong churches. There's strength in what God establishes. We need strong Christians. There's strength in what God establishes. And every time that they would look at this temple and every time they saw these two pillars, these two columns right there in front of it, I mean, you'd be able to see these from, from far away. I mean, just coming to it, you'd be able to see those two columns as, as high as they were. There is strength in what God establishes. The pillars, 18 cubits tall. And then on top of the pillars was another five cubits of what the Bible calls uh, chapters. And of course, as we are reading through here, some of these words, you're probably wondering, what is a chapter and, and, and what is the, the pomegranates and, and what is these, these chains and, and things like this? He's describing how the, the tops of these pillars, not the pillar itself, you'd have the pillar that is 18 cubits, but then on the top of the, the pillar were these, what they would call the chapters or what we would call like the top or the, the ornamental head that was very on the very top of it. And that was another five cubits. And this is kind of just an example of, of maybe what something would have looked like. Of course, this is made of stone. Obviously when I was in Israel a couple of years ago, um, I was able to take a couple pictures uh, of these and you, and you could see how this was not the pillar itself. This would be what would be referred to as a chapter. This was the, the top piece that would be on top of the pillar itself on top of it. And, and uh, we'll, we'll give it a little bit closer uh, look at that in just a moment. But at the top of the pillar, you had this work of brass. The, the pillar itself is made of brass. And then on top, this chapter is also made of brass. But I want you to notice the Bible says in verse number 22, and upon the top of the pillars, so we're talking about the chapters now, on top of the pillars, and watch what he says, was lily work. On top of the chapters was lily work. The Bible calls this work that Solomon or that Hiram did lily work. The top of the pillars, all the way around them, Solomon had Hiram make these 
these lilies and he had them put these pomegranates and he had them put these wreath and chains and all of these things around the top of the chapter. Of course, if you know anything uh, about the Bible, the Bible speaks about lilies frequently throughout Scripture. Uh, lilies were a flower of beauty and glory. In fact, in Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 29, uh, the Bible says that even Solomon in all his glory, think about this, we're talking about the temple, Solomon in all his glory was not even arrayed like a lily. Jesus says that. All of Solomon's glory wasn't even couldn't even compare to the, to the beauty of a lily because the temple was man's work. But the lily was God's work. It was God's work. Can I tell you something? You can't outdo God. Amen? I mean, you, man can make some really beautiful things, but you can't outdo God. So what was the purpose of making these lilies at the top of the pillars? Well, of course, today is... Recruitment Sunday, and we want to get people involved. And I, I wanted to bring a message this morning just to show you how important it is for everyone to be involved and why everyone ought to be involved. And, and I think what Hiram does here, obviously Hiram shows us, look, it doesn't matter how, you know, what position you might have. Hiram wasn't too proud to say, you know what, I can be involved in that work for God in the temple. He was the king. Can I, we have any kings here? Not last name king, but, you know, literally, we don't have any kings here. We don't have any princes. We don't have any dukes. We don't have any royalty or anything like that. You say, well, I'm part of the family of God. We all are, right? If we're saved, we're all part of the family of God, right? And yet Hiram was willing to leave his kingdom, leave his throne, and come and do this brass work for God. That ought to tell us something right there. doesn't matter what position we have. Look, you might have a doctorate. You might have a PhD. Um, and, and praise God for that. I'm sure you earned that. But just because we have some type of high education doesn't mean we can't serve God. And by the way, see, some people say, well, I don't have enough education to serve God. No, just because we don't have enough education, we I don't have a PhD. I don't have that. I, I can't serve God. No, every one of us can serve God. Everybody can serve. So why... Why the purpose of the lilies at the top of these pillars? I want to give you a couple things this morning. I hope it'll be an encouragement to you. And um, just, to, just to get involved, just to serve. May I say, first of all, lily work is done for the Lord, not for men. Lily work is done for the Lord, not for men. You see, the beauty of the temple was, sh- was to show the glory of God. It was not to show how rich Solomon or Israel was, but for the glory of God. If you, if you turn over with me to chapter number 8, after the, the temple has been finished and the Ark of the Covenant has been brought in and, and placed into the temple, in, in chapter 8, in verse number 22, Solomon is standing before the temple here, and he says, And Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the congregation of Israel and spread forth his hands toward heaven. He said, Lord, God of Israel, there is no God like thee in heaven above or on earth beneath who keep us covenant and mercy with thy servants and walk before thee with all their heart. Solomon is saying, God, this is all about you. Solomon said, look, he didn't look at this temple and said, hey, look at how beautiful of a temple that I have built. No, no. 
He said, God, this is all for you. This is all for you. You see, lily work is about God, not me. Do you know why so many Christians say, well, I just won't get involved? Because it's about them and not God. It's about me. Well, I, I, just, I just can't do that. I, I'm, just, I'm just too good for that, or, or I'm not good enough. And what do we get? We begin putting ourselves in the position of saying, hey, it's about me. Wait, friend, it's not about you. It's about God. It's about God and what he has done. Go down to verse number 28. He says, yet have thou respect unto the prayer of thy servant and to his, supp- and to his supplication, O Lord my God, to hearken unto the cry and to the prayer which thy servant prayeth before thee today, that thine eyes may be open toward this house night and day, even toward the place of which thou hast said, my name shall be there. Solomon saying, God, this is all for you, that we want you to receive the glory. We want people to know that this is all about you and your name. Solomon said, this isn't about me, God. It's about you. It's about you. In Colossians chapter 3, in verse number 23, what does God say? He says, no matter what we are doing, whatsoever thy hand finds do, do with all thy might, right? I mean, no matter what we're doing, God wants us to do it for his glory. But may I say this morning, if you're not a Christian this morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, then can I say this morning, friend, There's nothing you can do to please God. You say, well, I'm at church. Doesn't that please God? No, I'm sorry, it doesn't. You say, well, I even have a Bible. Doesn't that please God? No, friend, I'm sorry, it doesn't. You see, because the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews, in chapter 11 and verse number 6, that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now, he's just not talking about faith as far as like living. He's talking about faith in God. Faith in Jesus Christ. You see, the world tries to tell us, tell us there are many ways to get to God. The world tries to say, hey, you can be religious or you can be baptized or you can be good or, or if you're kind to your neighbors or if you keep the Ten Commandments, if you do all those things, then, then somehow one day God's going to take all the good things that you have done and put them on a scale and then he's going to take all the bad things that you've done and put them on the other side and, and hopefully your good weighs more than your bad and then you'll be able to get to, get, get to go to heaven. Friend, do you understand that everything that we do without God is bad? We have no good. There is no good. That's why the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, in verse number 10, there's none righteous, no, not one. He says in verse number 12, there is none that doeth good, no, not one. Why? Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. What about my church? What about Look, church can't, church can't get you to God. Religion can't get you to God. Think about it. There, were, there was lots of religions when Jesus came to this earth. Which of those religions did he point to and said, oh, that's the one, oh, that's the one? No, he didn't point to any of them, did he? In fact, instead of pointing at them, he pointed where? At himself. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Friend, if you're here this morning, if you never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that is the only way that we can please God. That's the only way. It's not about religion. It's not about how good you are. 
It's about Jesus Christ and what he's done for you. And if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, friend, we would love to take the word of God, God's word, not our words. We would love to take God's word and show you how you can be saved, show you how you can put your faith in Jesus Christ so that you can please God with your life. You see, lily work is done for the Lord, not men. If you're a Christian, then God wants everything you do to bring glory to him. Everything. Colossians 1.16 tells us we are created by him and for him. Think about it. We're created by him and for him. In Revelations 4.11, we are created for his pleasure. Think about it. God says we are created for his purpose, for what he wants us to do. You know the greatest thing that we can do for the Lord Jesus Christ is to serve him. That's the greatest thing we can do. The greatest thing we can do is to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, your attitude, your life, your actions, your speech, the way you work, the way you represent Jesus Christ should all bring glory to him. Everything we do. It's not about just being in church. Okay, I'm in church, so that brings glory to God. Look, can I tell you, friend, this morning, you can be in church and not bring glory to God. You, you can sing the songs that we just sang. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, and Jesus loves even me, and I will praise him, and not bring glory to God. Because if you're not saved, that doesn't bring glory to God. And if you're here this morning as a Christian, your heart's not right with God, and, and you know that there's sin in your life or something that you're not willing to do, and, and you're, you're, you're hard and bitter towards God, that doesn't bring glory to God. You see, God wants everything that we do in our life to bring glory to him. Solomon understood that the temple was not about Solomon. The temple was not about Israel. The temple was about God. God. And that's why Solomon wanted the best to be able to do it for God. That's why Hiram was willing to come and say, hey, you know what? I'm willing to come because Solomon, I know this isn't for you. I know it's not for David. Yeah, I know you and David was my friend and you're my friend, but I know this is for God. And I'm willing to come as a king and do this brass work, this lily work the Bible says, because it's to be done for the Lord and not men. May I say, secondly, not only is lily work done for the Lord and not men, but lily work may never be noticed by men. Lily work may never be noticed by men. Now, I want you to stop and think about the time that it took Hiram to make these things at the top of these pillars, these chapters the Bible speaks about, five cubits high. These chapters were huge. And, and on these on these chapters, on these, these ornamental tops, you had all these little pomegranates. And on these chapters, these, these wreaths that were all around it and these lilies that were on it. Let me ask you something. Do you think Hiram, being the, the greatest brass worker there was, do you think he just slapped a bunch of things together and just threw them together? And, oh, there it is, Solomon's all done. Oh, no. I think he took intricate detail in making sure that each of those pomegranates was just right. He took intricate detail in making sure that that wreath, those wreaths that went around the chapters were just right. He made sure that those lilies that were on that, that chapter were just right. I mean, think about the time and the effort that it must have taken him to do this. And again, the, the detail to make sure it was perfect. And remember, these flowers, the, all of this is up at the top. 
Remember how high we're talking? 35, 45 feet in the air. They weren't at just eye level here where people could come and walk around. Oh, this is beautiful. They're way up there. They're way up in the air, 35, 45 feet high in the air. Again, think about it. Again, you're, you're talking about... Yeah, how high these columns are? And, and then, you, again, you think about... I mean, look at, look at just... Uh, and this is stone. You can kind of see a little bit uh, of the detail here. But this one is a little bit closer. Look at, look at how intricate, just in this stonework, the detail is. Right? I mean, look at the, look at the little flowers and look at the, even the little things below the flowers and how intricate and detailed all that was. This is stone. Hiram was doing it in brass. And it's 40 feet up in the air, 45 feet up in the air. You ever try looking at something 40 feet in the air? It's not really easy to distinguish what it is. And most of the time, it's so high, most people would never even notice it. It was so high on the pillars and such a small flower that many people would never even see it. Those pomegranates, some people probably never even recognize that those were pomegranates up there. The wreaths that, that, that Hiram did around the chapters probably would never even notice that they're up there. You ever heard of the saying, out of sight, out of mind? It's way up there, 40, 45 feet up in the air. Why? Because he wanted to bring glory to God. And sometimes lily work may never be noticed by men. No one may ever know what you've done for the Lord. They may never know that you gave to help someone with a need. May never know. They may never know that you cleaned the church or helped paint the walls. Or took down the wallpaper. They may never know that you helped in a class or taught a Sunday school. They may never know that you sacrificed to give to missions. They may never know that you spent hours praying for for the members of this church. That you spent hours praying for the pastor. You spent hours praying for our missionaries. Nobody may ever know what you do. But remember... Lily work is done for the Lord, not for men. And this is why so many times as Christians, if we don't get the accolades that we think we deserve, we just say, I won't serve. We want the lily work to be right down here where everybody can see it. We want to make sure everybody knows what we have done. Do you know why? Because we're just humans. That's human nature. We want to be appreciated. We want people to know what we've done so we can get a pat on the back and say, good job. Look, we all appreciate that. We all want to hear, man, good job. That was great. Thank you for doing that. But you know what? Lily work sometimes may not be seen by men. Let me ask you, are you still going to do it? Are you still going to do it? If nobody ever recognizes what you do, if nobody ever says, man, man, I I heard that you cleaned the church this week, man, that's great. Everything looked great. If nobody ever says that, or if nobody ever comes and says, man, thank you for teaching the kids in Sunday school, or man, thank you for, for taking care of the outside or, or thank you for painting the walls. Or if nobody ever comes and says, thank you for praying or thank you for giving, nobody ever says that. Are you still going to do it? Or 
Or is it done just to be seen of men? See, lily work, it's way up there. And it's not as noticeable. It's out of sight and out of mind. And sometimes it's just not noticed by other people. I want you to listen to what the Bible says. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 36 and 38, it's really interesting. Hebrews chapter 11 is what we would call the chapter of faith, right? Hebrews chapter 11 talks about great men and women of faith. Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joshua and Moses and Gideon, all these great men and women of faith. And then it comes down to verse number 36 and it says, and others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonments, they were stoned. They were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. They wandered in the deserts and in the mountains and in the dens of caves of the earth. Man, who were those people? We have no idea. Somebody was willing to be sawn asunder for God. You understand what that means? It means somebody took a saw and they cut them apart. Not a magic trick, real. They cut them apart. Do you understand what he says here? He says they were stoned, sawn asunder, slain with a sword, wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, afflicted, tormented, wandering in the deserts and in mountains and in dens. Who were these people that were willing to be such testimonies for God that the world was after them, the world wanted to kill them? Who were they? Nobody knows. Oh, we know about Moses and we know about Joshua and we know about David and we know about Gideon. But who were they? Who are these people? You know what the Bible says? Others. No names, no accolades, but I want you to notice what God says about them. I skipped just a little portion of a verse He says, of whom the world was not worthy. God says, you know what? These people, you may not know their name, but can I tell you something? The world isn't even worthy of these people. And look, friend, he's not talking about Moses and Joshua and Jacob and and David and, and and Abel. He's not talking about those. He says, these others who went through all of this for me world is not even worthy of them. You see, lily work may never be noticed by God, or excuse me, may may never be noticed by men. Are we going to keep doing it? Are we going to take the time to do those lilies? We're going to take the time to do the very best that we can to make those pomegranates just exactly the way they need to be to bring glory to God. You say, nobody's going to see, man, I'm sure Hiram could have said, you know what? Nobody's ever going to look up here. Nobody's ever going to look and count if I actually put 200 pomegranates around here. You notice he was very specific about that. 200. Who, who got a ladder, stuck it up there and went around and started counting to make sure that all 200 of them were there. Nobody did. It'd been very easy for Hiram to say, this is getting a little tiring. All this brass work I'm doing. 200, Solomon, I mean, come on, man. How about we just cut off 10? 
I mean, is anybody really going to notice that there's only 190? I mean, who's going to get up here 40 feet up in there? Who's going to count? He said, even though nobody may ever notice it, this isn't done for men. It's done for God. And I want to do it right. I want to serve right. Because here's the thing, friend. Lily work is not done for men. It's done for God. And lily work may never be noticed by men. But can I tell you this? Lily work will never be forgotten by God. Lily work is never forgotten by God. Even though nobody else may ever notice it, God does. Because it's not done for men. It's done for God. It wasn't noticed by men, but God saw the lily work that was done. You say, how do you know? Because you and I just read it. We just read it. From verses 13 all the way down to 22 is a very good description of exactly what was done. Now, who told him to write that? God did. God said, Hiram, nobody else may ever know what you've done. Those that, those that are there, they never get up there, and they may never count how many pomegranates are there. They may never talk about the leaves or whatever. But hey, Hiram, I want you to know, I'm never going to forget what you've done. Never going to forget it. Because it was done for God and not for men. Think about how many people must have passed between those two pillars. Never looked up. Never saw the pomegranates. Never saw the lilies. Never saw the, the chains. Never saw the wreaths. Never saw any of that. You see, though man may forget it was there. Though man may never notice, God never forgets the lily work done by man. He never forgets. Friend, you might think that nobody ever notices. You know, I'm just, I'm just a helper in one of these classes. I'm not even the teacher. I'm just a helper. I just, you know, I'm just kind of more like crowd control. I just make sure the kids, you know, do what they're supposed to. Nobody ever even notices me. Can I tell you, friend? God does. God does. Does anybody ever know? Nobody ever notices that I cleaned the church. Nobody ever notices that I had to clean the, the toilets and the, clean the sinks. Nobody ever notices that. God does. God does. Nobody notices that I came in and straightened up the chairs and, and put up extra chairs and cleaned the. Nobody, nobody ever notices that. God does. Nobody ever sees me on my knees praying for the members of the church. Nobody ever sees me praying for the pastor. Nobody ever sees me praying for the missionaries. God does. Nobody ever sees what I sacrifice. Nobody sees the, the sacrifices that I make to support missions or to give to the church. Nobody sees that. God does. God sees. God says, I'll never forget. I'll never forget. Think about what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. God says your labor is not in vain, friend. What you're doing for God will never be in vain. 
In Matthew 26, verse 13, Jesus says, Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this that this woman hath done be told for a memorial of her. We're talking about the woman that just broke the alabaster box. And they said, what a waste. And Jesus said, let me tell you something. It wasn't a waste because it was done for God and everybody is going to remember it. I'm going to make sure that everybody knows what this woman did. I will never forget it, God says, and I'm going to make sure other people know about it. They thought it was a waste. God said it wasn't a waste. You know why? Because it was done for God. It wasn't done for men. It was done for God. Friend, you know what we need to do? We need to get ourselves out of the way. That's our problem. We are in the way. God says, I want you to serve me. Well, you know, if it meets my requirements, God, if you do what I want you to do, then I might serve you. No, friend, get out of the way. Just get out of the way. Just say, God, here am I, whatever you want me to do. God, what do you want me to do? Hey, take out that card. Not right now, but take it sometime today. Say, God, what what could I be involved in in this church? How could I serve? Because look, friend, you're not doing it for the church. You're doing it for God. You're doing it for God. And so, so often, Christians go through life never serving. And can I tell you, friend, that is a miserable way to live. It's miserable. Because I can tell you this, the happiest Christians are those that are serving. The happiest Christians are those that are serving. You know why? Because it's not about what they're doing. It's about who they're doing it for. It's for him. It might be 45 feet up in the air. Nobody ever sees it. Nobody ever, nobody ever acknowledges Nobody knows the time that I spent putting into this lesson that I had to teach these young people. And it seems like they were just so crazy today that they didn't even listen. Nobody knows. Nobody cares. God does. God sees what you're doing. God knows exactly. He says in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse number 10, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. Hmm. God says he knows. He's watching. The question we have to ask ourselves is, are we doing it for me? Or are we doing it for him? Are we doing it at eye level? We want to make sure that we can see it and we want to make sure everybody else can see it. Are we willing to let our work be done 40 feet up in the air where nobody may even remember? And people might walk by it day after day after day after day and not even look up. But that's okay. Because it's not done for men. It's done for God. Can I ask you this morning, what's your lily work? What's your lily work? See, it's not done for men. It's done for God. And it may never be noticed by men. But friend, can I tell you, God will never forget it. Never forget it. What's your lily work? wonder with her heads bowed and her eyes closed. No one looking about. Friend, I mentioned before, maybe there's somebody today, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. You're, you would be honest 
in your heart today and you would say, I don't know where I would go if I died. I don't know. I, I, I'd like to say I wish or I hope I could go to heaven, but I just don't know. Friend, if that's you this morning, you say, Pastor, that is me. In my heart this morning, I don't know where I would go if I died. But you would say, Pastor, I'd like to know. I'd like to know how I could have my sins forgiven. I'd like to know how I could have a home in heaven with Jesus for all of eternity. I would truly like to know that. Friend, nobody else is looking about. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If that's you here today, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to come to you. But I would like to pray for you. If you say, Pastor, that's me. I'm not sure if I died today where I would go. But I'd like to know that. Would you just slip your hand up and put it right back down? Just raise it up, put it right back down. Nobody's going to come to you. I'm not going to call you out. I just want to pray for you. Just slip it up, put it right back down. Nobody else is looking about. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'm saved. I'm not sure where I would go. Just slip it up right now. Slip it up. Put it right back down. Pastor, pray for me. And Christian, if you're here this morning, you know Christ is your Savior. What's your lily work? What's your lily work? Where can you be involved in serving the Lord in the church? Where can you be involved? It's not like we don't have any place to serve. We've got all kinds of places to serve. The question is, where, we, where, where will you serve? You see, Jesus Christ gave himself for the church. What a great opportunity to serve the Lord right here in the church. To serve him, to serve others. Oh, yes, we can serve people in our community. I understand that. But this ought to be where we begin. Serving him. Where might it be? You're not doing it for men. You're doing it for the Lord. And no one may ever notice it. But that's okay, friend. Because God will never forget it. Father, I pray you'd work in hearts this morning. Lord, help us to get out of the way. Just say, Lord, here am I. Use me wherever you'd want me to be used. Lord, I just want to be involved. Even if it's putting some pomegranates and some lilies on the top where nobody's ever going to notice and nobody will ever see. Lord, I just want to serve you. I want to be part of serving you for the cause of Jesus Christ. Lord, may we be willing to serve when nobody else notices. Lord, we know you'll never forget it. Father, would you work in our hearts this morning? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.